Hey there, my name is Ryan Hughley, and I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our goal is to help as many people as possible meet and mature in the Jesus of the Bible. For more information about our ministry, visit our website at ridgeline.church. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing on the platform of your choice. Thanks again for listening, and I pray God's Spirit uses this message to revive you in a fresh way. Well, this morning we are going to be wrapping up this series that we've been in for the last eight weeks called Face to Face. And I want to end it by talking about one more uh, essential component to cultivating deeper intimacy with God. If you have not been here uh, with us throughout this series, uh, that has been our subject matter is how do we go about cultivating deeper intimacy with God and so, uh, so that it feels more relationship and less just empty ritual. And so if you've missed any part or all of that, you can find all of that on our website, ridgeline.church. There's a teaching button. Click that. It has everything that we've ever done uh, right there, but you could catch up on that. But today, uh, I want to talk about crafting formative friendships, crafting formative friendships. And to start, I want to emphasize the reality that the community that you and I were both created and thus long for, what this morning I'm going to refer to as formative friendship, It doesn't just magically occur, it has to be crafted. Now to craft something is to make it or to produce it with care, skill, or ingenuity. So you have to craft a meal. You have to craft a piece of art or technology. You have to craft a website, a a career, and you even have to craft a sermon. I take Mondays off, so my work week starts on Tuesday, And because teaching is one of my primary responsibilities, every single Tuesday starts exactly the same for me. I start with an open Bible in front of me and a blank page. And when I first started teaching uh, about 15 years ago, I found the reality of having to start over with a new message every single week to be absolutely torturous. I lived the better part of the week uh, with this kind of low-grade felt anxiety knowing that Sunday was coming and afraid that I was going to have nothing to say. Now, that's never happened in 15 years, but I lived with that fear. I used to have this reoccurring dream on Saturday nights where I would step up to the pulpit to preach and I would look down and I had nothing. I'd prepared nothing. And so I lived with that for the better part of a decade. Now, I've been doing it long enough that I don't live with that same daily dread, but every Tuesday morning starts with me sitting in front of that blank page and it's a sobering reminder that I've got like five days to craft a teaching that, Lord willing, will be clear and compelling and helpful. Now, my craft uh, involves studying the original languages and historical context of Scripture and then being able to teach it using cultural and interpersonal observations, stories, illustrations, and then to bring that all to bear on our lives in some practical manner. And I deeply believe that preaching is far more than just providing than just providing commentary on the text. It's more than just storytelling. It's not meant to be uh, self-help seminars. We're trying to, to craft all these elements together in a way that helps people understand the timeless truth of Scripture in a timely manner. And so my point is, clear sermons don't just magically occur. They have to be crafted. And these formative friendships that I want to teach on today are exactly the same. You don't just fall into a deep friendship in a day. 
You have to forge one with time and intention and care and skill. And so this morning, I want to talk about crafting formative friendships. And so to that end, I want to answer three questions for us in the time that we have together. Uh, Why does formative friendship matter? Uh, What is formative friendship? Because it is distinct from other types of friendship that we experience. And then finally, how can we as a church family go about crafting them? And so let's start with this first question. Why does formative friendship matter? And I don't think there's a better place to answer that question from than in Genesis chapter 2, specifically verse 18. So if you have a Bible, do me a favor and turn to Genesis chapter 2. It's the very first chapter in your Bible. If you don't have the scriptures with you this morning, it's going to be on the screen, so don't worry about that. Genesis 2.18. Now, before I read this, let me just fill this in with some context around it. Genesis 1 and 2 focus on two aspects of God's creative work. Genesis chapter 1 is this like 30,000 foot view of God as creator and everything that he's created. And then Genesis 2 zooms in on his specific creation of and his intent for Adam and Eve. Now, if you haven't read Genesis 1, there is this pattern to it that is pretty impossible to miss. Seven different times in response to his progressive creation, God speaks the same authoritative blessing over what he's created. So he creates, and then he steps back and looks at what he's made, and the text says, and God saw that it was good. Seven times, God declares what he's created as good. And then as we turn the page and come to Genesis 2, God gives uh, specific uh, instruction to Adam and vocational vision. And he gives him freedom and instruction on how to steward it. And then we get to verse 18, and verse 18 brings everything to a screeching halt. Because in verse 18, uh, God declares something that he has never declared up to this point. So with that in mind, look with me at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The text says this, And then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. So the very first time that God declares something as anything less than good is when Adam is experiencing life apart from another flesh and blood human relationship. Now, this is often read as uh, as sort of commentary on the importance of marriage. But the truth is, um, we severely reduce the scope of this statement when we make it about nothing more than a statement about the gift of marriage. And doing so is one reason the modern church has lost God's vision for valuing those who choose not to marry and instead to remain single. So more than just a statement about marriage, This is God speaking his heart and his mind about the possibility of a person living isolated from physical connection to another person. And so more than a statement about marriage, it's God's statement about the importance of human relationship. So I want to just say something that to some of you might sound a little bit like heresy, okay? So I just preface it with that. Because it's, it's actually not. I want you to just consider what I'm about to say in the context of what God has just said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. So here it is. Ready? Um, God is not all you need. Just consider that for a second. God is not all that you need. 
And that sounds like heresy to us because as Christians, we are conditioned by the message that God is sufficient for us. And so we hear and we say things like, man, God is the only thing that we need and God is enough for us. God is sufficient for us. And here's the thing, those sentences are all true, but their biblical meaning has been misunderstood and as a result, they can be misapplied. See, the fact that God is sufficient for us means that he provides everything that we need to flourish. And what he makes clear in Genesis 2.18 is that he did not create any human being to flourish in isolation with him, with him alone. God is our good, all-sufficient provider who has provided all that we need to flourish. And one of the first things that God says that we need to flourish with him in this world that he created is human relationship. And so just like in real time, if you wonder why the past 12 months have had the effect on you that they have had, this is why. Few things do violence to the soul more than physical isolation from friendship. So in summary, formative friendship matters because it is something that we were made for. But let's press a little bit deeper into this for a second with this question, what then is formative friendship? What is formative friendship? And to answer this question, I want you to turn to the New Testament, so go way right in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, specifically verses 1 through 5. I'm going to start reading. You can catch up and get there when you get there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Peter says this, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, he's speaking about Jesus here, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. All right, so in light of those five verses we just read, let me give you a question to consider for just a second. When you read these verses, what is the first thing that you observe? Look back at them for a second, consider that question. So when you read these verses, what is one of the first things that you observe? Now your answer might differ from, my, differ from mine, but here's what I believe is the single most important observation to make in these verses. They are written to us, they are not written to you. Think about that for a second. They're written to us. They're not just written to you. And by that I mean the entire context of these verses is plural. So they're written to us. They're not just written to you as an individual. In 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, Peter says to do away with these five things, all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Now do you notice what all five of those things have in common. They all destroy relationship. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander all poison people against one another. And so instead, Peter calls followers of Jesus to together desire the pure milk of the word. So more and more, followers of Christ are to lose their taste for their old, 
false selves, the carnal nature that we have because of sin that destroys and divides, and instead we're to desire all that nourishes our faith and helps us become who God actually created us to be. And Peter roots all of this in God's overarching intent for those who are living within his kingdom. Jesus' sacrifice does not just save us from sin. It also saves us to a family. It saves us to a community, a specific kind of friendship. Namely, one that forms us more and more into the character and nature of Jesus. And this is what Peter calls growing up into your salvation. So I want you to think about the craft of construction for a second. We're hoping to move out of our townhome soon and into a house with more space uh, as our kids continue to grow and get older. And so we've been looking at some new communities that are still being built. Now, construction is not my craft, so I find it pretty magical because you, you drive by these empty lots that are getting ready to be built and they look like nothing. It's just an empty square of land and it has like a pile of wood and a pile of bricks. But then builders come along and they take every brick and they take every board and they construct them together in such a way that turns them into a home in mere months. And so alone, it's just an empty square of land. And alone, it's just a brick. And alone, it's just a board. But together, they construct a home. And that is Jesus' very vision for you and I. He shed his blood so that we could join his family. We are living stones, as Peter calls us, that he redeems to construct into his spiritual house where his very presence dwells on this earth, which means that every single church that follows the Jesus of the Bible is nothing short of a miracle. So formative friendship is not just, it's not just close friendship. It's not just long-standing friendship. It's a friendship that serves a very specific purpose in Jesus' eyes. It is a friendship intended to form us into our true selves. It's a friendship that is bent on following Jesus together in such a way that we lose our taste for our old false selves and learn to crave the very character of Jesus that we were created to embody. That is formative friendship. And that is what we were created to experience. And so the final question is then how exactly can we go about crafting formative friendships? One of the most consistent things that I hear as I meet with people who are new to our church that they're looking for is friendship. Many of us have moved here from out of state, or if you're brand new to the church and don't have a relationship, one thing that people really want is genuine friendship. And so how do we go about crafting these relationships that we were created for? And so here's my answer to that question. Formative friendship demands intentionally following Jesus in the open together. Formative friendship demands intentionally following Jesus in the open together. Now, there's three parts to that answer that I want to unpack for just a second. The first is this formative friendship demands intentionality, meaning it doesn't just happen. When sin entered the world, creation was fundamentally broken. 
Now we have studied the effects that that had on Adam and Eve, but the truth is you and I have experienced the effects in our own lives and relationships. Sin resulted in shame being a universal experience, and with shame came hiding from God and hiding from ourselves and hiding from one another. Now in faith in Jesus, uh, faith in Jesus instantaneously removes the ultimate and the eternal consequences of sin, but not its immediate effects. And so as a result, we are still prone to build barriers that are meant to block our emotions in order to hide from God, from ourselves, and from one another. Which means this biblical brand of friendship will demand intentionality. They will have to be crafted in our lives. Second, this intentionality specifically centers around following Jesus together. Now, I have, I have friends that I love and care about at my gym, for instance. I've been working out with some of the same people for over a year and a half. And I continue to learn more about them, and they continue to learn more about me. But those relationships are not about following Jesus together. They're about paying to be physically punished every single day, and for some reason calling it fitness. But they're not about following Jesus together. And so what we call formative friendship is distinct in its intent to follow Jesus together. And then finally, friendship that forms us into our true selves that God created us to be, it requires that we live in the open together, which is probably the hardest and the most uncomfortable part for all of us. Because it demands that we come out of hiding and we choose to disclose our true thoughts, emotions, and intentions despite fear of rejection. Remember, that was our definition for what it means to live vulnerably with God and with others, to disclose our true thoughts, emotions, and intentions despite fear of rejection. And to be honest, this is why I'm not personally a huge fan of traditional small groups and Bible studies. It's not because I don't think they add value. I absolutely certainly think they do. But it's that they're often structured in a way that helps people hide behind cerebral conversation about the Bible instead of stepping into the open regarding the areas in their lives that they're still enslaved to sin and to shame. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry one another's burdens. In this way, Paul says, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Just think about that very first segment of that verse. Carry one another's burdens. Now here's the thing. Um, you can't carry a burden that I keep a secret. Right? Like if I keep whatever is burdening me, whether it's some kind of stress Anxiety, worry, fear, guilt because of something I've done, something that's been done to me. Whatever it is that might be burdening me, you can't help me carry that burden the way that the Bible says you're to be able to if I keep that a secret. So that means that Galatians 6.2 is, isn't just a call to carry one another's burdens, it's also a call to disclose them. Formative friendship demands intentionally following Jesus in the open together. But the question is, how do we do that during a pandemic at our church? Because it's been really hard to connect and praise God 
Uh, COVID numbers continue to get better. The vaccination continues to go out to more and more people. Lord willing, things are going to continue to get better and to normalize, and we'll be able to connect in more familiar ways. But how do we do this in the season that we're in right now? Because what I would say we should not do for like even one more day is wait and continue to live in any amount of isolation. So part of pursuing formative friendship with intentionality means having an environment as a church in which we seek to craft these relationships together. And so our meetups, if you've called Ridgeline home for a season of time, you know, pre-COVID, we had regular meetups that were happening. So these were very, very informal. They were just meant to be first steps in helping people build friendship in general. But for two years, we have had a vision for something that we have called squads. Now, the vision for these squads is a regular time in which we intentionally seek to craft the very formative friendship that we've been talking about all morning. And so here's how these relationships would work and would be built. You would meet regularly with two to three other people in our church, men with men, women with women, in order to unburden whatever is causing you unrest. And so if these are brand new relationships with you, so let's say that you were to join a squad, it's you, two, three other people that you don't really know at all, my recommendation would be that you meet every single week, at least for a while, as you just kind of get over the hump of knowing one another. If your squad were to consist of people you've known for a while, it may be more helpful to meet like once, uh, twice a month, so like every other week, something like that. Now the structure is super simple. You can meet in person, or because of COVID, if you're more comfortable, we can, you can meet on Zoom. Someone just prays to open, and then you spend one hour taking turns answering what I would summarize as just one very simple question. And that question is, what is causing you unrest right now? What is causing you unrest right now? So it might be something that's causing you stress or anxiety, it might be something that is sitting heavy on your mind. It might be something that's causing you guilt. It might be something in the scriptures that you are wrestling with, some aspect of who God says he is, that you're having a hard time reconciling with what you're seeing and experiencing. It's whatever is actually going on in your life. And so if you're the one answering that question, the goal is to be open and to be honest and to be vulnerable inside the safety of those relationships. If you're the one that is listening to another person's response, the goal is to be empathetic and to be encouraging. And so here's, here's what I want to do. I'm going to help kick off these squads by joining everyone's first meeting. So if you were to open the Church Center app, Pastor Tyler's going to lead you through the announcements and how the Church Center app works in just a few minutes when we close. But even now, if you were to open the Church Center app, you are going to find a button to help you uh, schedule uh, a time to be able to connect with me on Zoom, uh, to be able to talk through a little bit more detail about what squads are and how to steward these conversations in a way that will build and craft these formative friendships that we've been talking about. So there's a bunch of different options on there for you to be able to schedule those. What's important is if you have people already in your life, I know some of you already have some very deep and meaningful friendships. And so if that's the case, just make sure you schedule them at the same time so that you are, in fact, in that same group together. But I want you to know, even if you're here, this is your first Sunday, and you're like, I don't know anybody, but I'm in, I need this, then just jump into one. 
and it'll be great. And I'll be a part of that first one to just kind of unpack this a little bit more, to provide a little bit more detail and to help facilitate that first, that first conversation from which you can figure out a time that you want to meet going forward. And I'm not going to be a part of all of them forever because, oh my gosh, that sounds awful. Okay. But I do want to help them get off to a great start. So we've taken a couple test runs at this and they've been great. So we're excited about what God could do through this. And so here's really my commitment to you in the midst of this. If you make a commitment to sit with God daily, as we discussed last week, and to do the work to craft at least one formative friendship like this in a squad, I promise you, you will grow deeper in God as you go deeper with one another. And here's why. Formative friendship is inseparable from intimacy with God. Formative friendship is inseparable from intimacy with God. As we've already seen back in Genesis chapter two, God created us desperate for not just one thing, but for two things, friendship with him and friendship with one another. It is not an either or. I've been saying this for years, but you know, the Bible is a communal book written to communities of faith. And it can only be fully applied in the context of community. So this sort of lone ranger, me and Jesus, I only listen to podcasts and I have no community, that's not following the way of Jesus. That's something else. You were created for relationship with real actual people. So we need both. Furthermore, the two, friendship with God, friendship with people, they feed one another. So they're like the ecosystem in which humanity flourishes. To remove ourselves from either friendship with God or friendship with one another is like pulling a fish out of water. And so yesterday afternoon, I was thinking about how exactly to bring a series to a close that for me personally has really been the culmination of the last year and a half of my life. I've been personally through so much as I've learned all that we've discussed about. And uh, on the one hand, it kind of feels like because of all of that, just for me personally, it feels like how, how, do you, how do you give this some sort of like big climactic end? And uh, I don't have that today. And I actually think that's appropriate because the truth is everything that we have been talking about, it's about process. Intimacy with God is not the result of hearing one message or one series that stirs your affection for God. It's about a commitment to a particular way of living for the long haul. It's the choice to face rather than to block the emotions that make us uncomfortable. It's the choice to live in the open with ourselves, with God, and with one another every single day. And no one can do that for you. Even God will not do that for you. But you do have the tools and you can use them. God has made himself accessible and so you can sit with him every single day. And we have a way to build formative friendship as a church. And so the only question is, will we make all of this our way of life? It's gonna be slow and it will be messy and it will be uncomfortable at times, but a deeper experience of God awaits us. 
And so let's step into that together every single day. Will you pray with me? And then we'll do some Q&A. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have made yourself accessible to us. I thank you, Lord, that you looked on your creation, separated from you because of sin, oftentimes so overwhelmed by the shame of sin that we do hide from ourselves, from you and from one another, and that your heart was moved to compassion because of your love for us. And so I thank you, Lord, that you gave your life in our place for our sin, that Jesus, you chose to take our shame upon your own shoulders and you shed your blood so that we could be redeemed to friendship with you. And I thank you, Lord, that your sacrifice in our place for our sin also makes deep and meaningful friendship and relationship possible with one another. And so, Lord, I I pray that you would strengthen our relationship with you, strengthen our relationships with one another. Lord, even those who are here and are brand new and don't have friendships, Lord, I pray that one of the marks of our community would be deep, meaningful, forming friendship. Lord, that Ridgeline would be a place where anyone can belong and anyone can find friendship. But we need your help to do that. As we've seen, it doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't happen magically. It has to be crafted. It has to be forged. It has to be built. And so I pray, God, that you would give us the wisdom and the intentionality and the skill to do just that. We love you and we need you in more ways than we will ever fully comprehend. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.